I've raised my concerns about the quality of flight training going on in Australia at the moment and the ongoing effects this has on industry and pilots' pockets. In this episode, I want to discuss the importance of quality training and the consequences it is having on the industry globally. I'll discuss all this and more coming right up, so strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 96 of the Flight Training Australia podcast. From Noosa to Northam, Newman to Newcastle, this is the podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host, Trent Robinson. Thank you again for joining me. Episode 96, can you even believe it? Four to go until the big one. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about or what I'm going to do. Got a couple of ideas maybe, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that 100th episode and uh, going two years strong. So very exciting times. There's been plenty of flying going on up here in Darwin. Uh, Things have really been uh, picking up of late speaking to one of the refuelers and they are definitely uh, been working a lot harder than they have been and just in time for things just starting to heat up a little bit uh, the global uh, weather phenomenon El Nino is uh, been declared and more about all that soon but certainly seeing a few clouds in the sky nothing too heavy I think it's going to be a long Uh, unpleasant build up this year late rains maybe late November or December if we're lucky hopefully November hopefully sooner but uh, yeah lots going on up here heaps of flying and I've been inundated with requests for Darwin for Mill flights and 210 checks which as I have raised earlier in other episodes unfortunately I've not really been able to uh, deliver on but I do have some good news I have uh, now secured a uh, Cessna 206, which will be available to all Trent Robinson of Aviation uh, students, and that'll be for dual training and private hire for some hour building, which is a real bonus. It's just had a bit of an internal refurbishment, uh, new LED lights, new seats just being upholstered at the moment, uh, Garmin 600 avionics, and due for a repaint in November. So... Stay tuned uh, on social media. There'll be a few announcements on that, but that is available uh, to anyone who wants to do some Darwin uh, familiar training and that sort of thing. It's also IFR as well. So, uh, yeah, a real real bonus package there. I am still working on a 210. There's something in play at the moment. We'll just see how it goes. Um, if it works for the owner, uh, it'll be fantastic and that'll be available uh, for dual training only. Uh, but, again, let's just wait and see. All right, so speaking of training, good segue. <laughs> Today, um, I want to just, yeah, look, this just keeps coming up and it's almost a, a, a desperate plea to everyone to to really start taking some action. And predominantly this call is going out to instructors, uh, flying schools, flying clubs, universities, TAFEs, vet, vet fee help training providers, um, just anyone involved in commercial pilot training specifically, but uh, any pilot training at all, and right, even right back through to RAOs. 
the importance of quality flight training and its impact on pilot safety and the quality of uh, the aviation industry as a whole, which in Australia is something we have pro- always been proud of and prided ourselves on, that Australian pilots are some of the best trained pilots, if not the best trained pilots in the world. We have amazing uh, conditions in which to fly great quality aircraft, great quality instructors and pilots, generally speaking, um, lots of uh, ways to build hours and experience through general aviation uh, before moving into the, the the larger market of airline flying. And I've always said that, you know, someone that's going into the airlines with a few hundred hours, as is with uh, many overseas models, and is now starting to happen in Australia and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that is dangerous or a bad thing necessarily. It's all about how it's done. But uh, someone with more flying experience and, and time under their belt, having seen more weather scenarios, um, had issues come up in the cockpit, in-flight emergencies and all that sort of stuff, is going to shape and build a far better pilot in my view. So... Let's firstly, let's talk about what makes for quality flight training. And I have talked about this in the last few episodes, but I just want to touch on it again uh, in a very quick summary. And experienced instructors is no doubt going to have a huge part to play in that. And just like in the charter operations at the moment, trying to hang on to experienced pilots, uh, instructor side in flying schools is just as challenging. Everybody, whichever side of the fence they're sitting on, whether they're in a 141 or 142 flight training environment or a 135 uh, charter environment, people are getting hours experience and moving onto the airlines very, very quickly at the moment, which is sucking up all the top-end experience in GA, or a lot of it, not all of it, of course. So flight instructors should have extensive knowledge and experience in aviation. Uh, it's not just regurgitating what they read from a textbook. They're sh- supposed to be sharing real-world insights, real-world experience. And we need to somehow find ways to continue to develop our younger, newer instructors um, to give them the benefit rather than just what's on hearsay. I, I get so many of you contacting me, asking me about the current situation in the territory and and jobs and all that and and information you've been passed on by instructors um, or fellow students that is just based on historical uh, out-of-date or, or what I heard was sort of information. So really having a chance to do actual charter operations, um, you know, throw some bags, load passengers, deal with all the stuff that is charter flying and bring that into the commercial training scene so those skills can be imparted on, on their students and you guys, as you do your training, graduate a far better and more employable product. So really important that we develop and try and keep uh, experienced instructors in industry as long as possible. Um, it was one of the things I was thinking of at the Australian Aviation Awards uh, in Sydney. And, you know, there was no Instructor of the Year Award, which I have since suggested because not to blow sunshine up my own butt or anything like that, but instructors are really so important. They're the backbone. No one has a career in aviation without a, a flying instructor. 
and they are so important in the role and need to be better supported and developed and trained. And there's been a lot of moves to do that, but uh, I still think there needs to be more, especially with the, the attrition rate that we've got at the moment. All right, the next thing, number two, comprehensive curriculum. So the training program, it shouldn't just be a syllabus. It, it can't just be what's in the moz and let's just tick all that off. I've, I've been talking to a lot of uh, former colleagues and, and people that trained back when I did and discussed the differences in the kind of training that we got back then and the things we had to do. Um, you know, circuit-wise, we were doing much stronger wins and things, not everyone worrying about all these, you know, crosswind limits and insurance problems and all this sort of thing. We were flying limited panel compass NDB approaches. Like limited panel is almost just unusual attitudes, a couple of toss-arounds in the air and recover it back to straight level and then we move on. There's a whole a spinning and all that stalling, all these skill sets that are being lost over the years and the syllabus or the curriculum is being reduced down and dumbed down and simplified to the point where I just 100% the training back in the 90s and early 2000s was so much better and comprehensive than what's in the syllabus today. And that doesn't stop me doing that with my students, but what about everyone else? Unless you've got an experienced instructor or someone that understands uh, all these extra skill sets and things that are over and above the syllabus, you're going to miss out on that. So it's it's really important that that training program just covers all sorts of topics from basic to advanced techniques, whether it's in the syllabus or not, all the skills and, and handling, general handling techniques and things um, outside or flying, you know, to the maximum of the envelope of an aeroplane. Uh, so many students just getting scared, flying much more than, you know, 45 degrees because 60 isn't in the syllabus now. Uh, all these things are uh, areas of which we can give students far more exposure and more comfort. And, of course, including emergency procedures and utilising flight simulators uh, in, in, a, in a more improved manner, they are so more capable than just flying on instruments. You can fail so many things. If you watch my social media, I constantly keep catching pilots out landing without an undercarriage down because they're just doing lip surface uh, lip service undercarriages down and locked statements. They're not actually checking it. And we can't simulate those things in a real aeroplane, but we can bloody well do it in a simulator and, f you know, fail uh, oil pressure or high oil temperature or all these other little things because students aren't scanning these instruments anymore. Pilots aren't scanning. They're missing all this stuff. So this is all we can do. And this can all be captured by creating a well-rounded, developed curriculum. Well-maintained aircraft, as I always said, doesn't have to be the latest and the greatest glass cockpit. And as as I have said before, um, you know, glass cockpit isn't all that. Analog still has a place in aviation and in training and getting a good mix of both is, is crucial. Um, but as long as the aircraft are maintained, and let's face it, I'm looking at the Darwin apron there's these Cessnas 310s, 402s, 404s, Barons 210s. So everything's 40, 50 years old. Like this is a whole other 
podcast topic, but general aviation in Australia, I think, is going to be in real big trouble. These aeroplanes aren't going to last forever. And at the moment, you know, what are the other options? Uh, we've got Kodiaks and Caravans, PC-12s, but all very expensive, um, not necessarily fully suited to purpose. The new aeroplanes that are being uh, built just aren't cutting the mustard. They're built for 10-degree conditions. They just can't cope with the temperatures we have here in Australia with the the, the performance requirements and the payloads that we need. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting times in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to see what we all end up flying. Who knows? Anyway, well-maintained aircraft, really important. Other things that go towards quality of flight training is the emphasis on safety and, and safety being paramount. So students should be learning not only how to fly, but also how to make good, safe decisions in the air. Now, this is by being exposed to actual conditions that necessitate a decision. Uh, too many times we don't go flying because there's a couple too many clouds in the sky and the students are robbed of that opportunity to have actually been faced with the weather and make some decisions. All right, so we need to try and figure that out, set it up in the syllabus that if we can't get it for real, how we're going to simulate it in an authentic way. And finally, adherence to regulations and actually knowing and understanding the regulations. So making sure that everyone's ready for flight tests, ready for going out in industry, knowing the rules rather than just being told everything themselves and uh, just doing what they've always done, whether it's right or not. All right, so there's some things that are really important to do with the quality of flight training. Now, let's just go into why these elements are so important. What happens if students drop? Not students drop, but standards drop, okay? If flight schools rush through training, cut corners, just fly the syllabus, it is going to jeopardize the safety of pilots and our industry as a whole and the passengers who go flying. All right, pilots who have not see, received proper training are going to struggle to handle unexpected situations in the air, which leads to poor decisions and accidents or incidents. All right, but furthermore, it is going to damage the reputation of the aviation industry. We have all know which countries we probably would go flying in and others that we don't want to. And the reason for that is the quality and standard of pilots. All right. Trust is critical in aviation, and when the public loses confidence in pilot competence, it can have a cascading effect into the airlines, travel, industry as a whole. So to ensure that flight training maintains its high standards, regulatory bodies like CASA um, and the international counterparts all have to play a role. So they set and enforce the standards for flight training programs, and this then falls onto the flight schools instructors, head of operations, and flight examiners to bear a significant part of this responsibility. So instructors need to be dedicated to imparting their knowledge and experience to the next generation of pilots, instilling not only the skills, but the mindset required for safe flying. Sometimes as an instructor, you need to just stop, sit back, and allow things to unfold and play out as long as it remains safe. Too often we 
just keep jumping in trying to help the students, save them money or whatever else, but are we actually helping them at all? They can gain so much more by going through whilst it may be a mildly unpleasant experience at the time, but they will learn so much more even if they get it wrong. We have to allow people to make mistakes. We learn so much more that way and flight training is absolutely one of those areas. Aspiring pilots must research and carefully choose their flight training programs. It's not just about finding the most affordable option, but rather the one that offers the most comprehensive syllabus, experienced instructors, quality aeroplanes, and a good safety culture. So let's now discuss the long-term impact on the aviation industry if these standards are allowed to continue and drop. So first of all, the obvious thing is a decrease in training standards is going to lead to a shortage of skilled pilots. Now, I say that is already starting to happen now. We are seeing already an increase of flights without enough pilots. We are getting flight cancellations, delays, potentially higher ticket prices, impacting not just airlines but businesses and communities. All right? Pilots are working longer hours, higher duty. They're getting fatigued, frustrated. They are having to conduct more and more training. So many aircraft at the moment have two pilots in them when they should only have one because line training is extending far longer than it already has. Normally where uh, 50 hours is due, some operations are doing 100 to 150 hours of line training to get people up to standard and over the line. This is crazy. All right, It just shouldn't need to be that much unless it's particular to that level of operation or what's going on. But what I'm trying to say is there are companies that are having to spend so much more time training pilots who are supposedly already qualified to perform the task. Now, you remember I've said this in the past before, that if you're applying for a job and you tell them you've got an instrument rating, you bloody well better make sure that you actually know how to use it because they're employing you on how to fly their aeroplane and their environment not how to teach IFR again. All right, so decline in quality training could hinder innovation in aviation. As technology evolves, pilots are being trained to operate increasingly more complicated and complex aircraft systems. This is slowing things down that students don't know how to work glass cockpit aircraft, analog aircraft, autopilots, GPS, navigation systems, and all of this hinders the progress and development of them as they move onto these bigger or more sophisticated aircraft. We need to try and find ways to give exposure through aircraft and simulators. And when these bits of equipment are in aircraft, that we actually allow them to use it. Um, again, I asked a poll a little while ago, how many people have an autopilot equipped aircraft and get to use it? And so many weren't allowed to touch it. I was, however, pleased to see that a lot of aircraft uh, that were fitted did get to use it at some point. However, it was limited. So we want to make sure that all these skills are something that are done so that they can uh, progress and move on to bigger, larger things. And this is all going to help minimize the time frame that's taken to convert across into the next uh, stage of their career. All right, so quality flight training is the cornerstone of pilot safety. 
and the aviation industry's success. It ensures that the pilots are well prepared to handle demands of the job and keep the skies safe for us all. All right, I'd love to hear your feedback and what you think. Uh, if you've had a good environment or uh, a poor training environment, good experiences, bad, um, things that you've seen that have been really great, I want to give a shout out to your instructor who's just been fantastic, whatever. You can reach out to me, send me a message. You can email me, info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au. You can flick me a message on Instagram. That seems to be everyone's favourite there. All the links are in the episode description below. All right, guys, that is it for this week. Have a wonderful, safe week flying. Enjoy yourselves. Study hard and uh, clear skies. And remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>